0: that conversation then him you know he had to pay for the cab pay for lunch like that little thing had such a massive impact on me mm-hmm. but and it was one of those things like prior to that i don't think i would have even reached out to people it's just like i, I wasn't like that type that wasn't me you mm-hmm. know what i mean and uh, uh it, it was an, an eye-opener a big change for me to be i say you know what like it's not that hard it really isn't like most people are willing to help
1: Welcome to episode 15 of the 50 Cups of Coffee podcast. I am your host, Bobby Audley. I am a speaker and trainer with the Pino Training Group, where we work with teams and organizations looking to create powerful, positive, peak performance team cultures. This podcast is a show that was inspired by my 2016 TEDx talk called The 50 Cups of Coffee Challenge. Go check that out on YouTube if you haven't already. In the talk, I challenge you to sit down for a conversation with 50 people in a year. That number might sound big until you fully appreciate this is not all about networking. It is about simply connecting with people, which I believe is important now more than ever. For today's episode, we are going to get right to the guest. My guest today was recently headlined in an article titled Five Strength and Conditioning Coaches, the LA Rams Must Interview. And more officially, in 2018, He was named the National Strength and Conditioning Association College Strength Coach of the Year. After a season on the Toronto Blue Jays staff, Matt Nine took a full-time job as the coordinator of sports performance and the manager of fitness and facilities at Salisbury University, where I graduated from. Over his almost 16-year career at Salisbury, Matt has trained 12 NCAA National Championship teams and eight individual NCAA national champions. That is 20 NCAA national championships since Matt took over sports performance at SU in field hockey, men's lacrosse, and women's lacrosse, as well as track and field. Additionally, under his watch, Salisbury has seen 21 national title appearances, including the Baseball and Softball World Series and the Volleyball Final Eight. Matt's teams and athletes have won over 90 conference championships, made over 80 NCAA tournament appearances, and Matt has trained over 330 All-Americans several athletes have gone from playing division three at Salisbury to playing professional upon graduation. If that is not a testament to the sports performance department at a school, I don't know what is. Matt and I sat down for this interview back in January and so it is in person before we were social distancing And we obviously do not talk about anything related to coronavirus I am hoping some of these pre-recorded episodes will perhaps help take your mind off of all this for a bit In this interview... We talk about Matt's core values of attitude, enthusiasm, energy, and effort, how to hire phenomenal employees and make them better. We talk about how Matt teaches his athletes mental toughness in an experiential way and why he believes it is so important to be intentional about your 50 cups of coffee. In fact, his answer to my final 50 cups question is one of the best stories yet on the podcast, in my opinion. If you are a coach in any capacity, this is a great episode to listen to. Please enjoy my cup of coffee with Matt Nine. I literally right off the top, um, number one just wanted to start with the whole theme of the podcast is fifty cups of coffee. And that's quite literally how you and I connected. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I posted right before this about my connection with Mike Zordos, but um with you it it, it was a simple email to say, Hey We'd Love to get together, grab coffee, and talk a little bit of the work I'm yeah. doing. And you and the first conversation you and I had was over an hour long. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do, star- that. do you remember that? Yeah, yeah.
0: I think we were talking, we had a uh, book club too, yes, at the same time. Yeah, and that, all that, that kind grew of out together, of that. I ended up
1: joining the book club, and yeah. that was super awesome. And uh, how often you, do you guys still do the book club? Um,
0: we haven't done it this past semester, but we did do it. I mean, we've been doing it for she's four or five plus years now, yeah. So, yeah. um you know, it's fantastic having coaches come in and be able to just sit and, you know, any, any book, you know, and w- how it works out is one coach picks the next book for the next month and we just sit and chat, you know, I mean, you got some of the best coaches in the world, Yeah. you know, especially with coach Berkman and, and coach Knight, and, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, just being able to sit and pick their brains is, is just amazing. Do you, how you know? many, so I
1: saw on, on your bio, it says you've been a part of 12 team national championships. Is that accurate? Yeah, twelve team, eight individual national championships, yep. and three hundred and thirty All Americans. Yeah, over 330. over three hundred thirty All Americans yeah, yeah. now. Um, so. so yeah, there's definitely. I mean, you walk into to mags and it's like a wall to ceiling, oh, yeah. wall to wall uh, trophies. So you're right. There's definitely a lot of success here to to pick the brains. Yeah, up.
0: you might as well. I mean, it's to me, it's one of those things. If like if you're not talking with those coaches or just even just watching, them, observing. In this atmosphere, I mean, you're losing out. Yeah. I mean, they've got so much knowledge. They've been around the game for, you know, 25, 30-plus years Yeah. coaching and yeah. successfully coaching at that level. It's what little thing can I pick up that even it's just how they present or carry themselves or, you know, communicate with their athletes, I mean – there's so much you can gain, yeah, you' just got to look for it, you know yeah, too often we don't look for it. And we're going to and I want to get
1: into a lot of that kind of what you've, what you've learned from these coaches, what you've pulled from your time here, the athletes you've worked with. Uh, I think what's cool because I, I know a little bit about this, but not a ton about this, is the other question I, your reputation precedes you. Um, you. I was actually just this morning I was at Rise up okay. and um, I got my laptop up, and this guy next to me starts talking and asks what you know because I, I have the Salisbury. Putty yeah. on, the jacket on, and he says, you know, do you go to school there? And I start telling him of, you know, my history with Salisbury, and come to find out he's your old uh, former track and crew and cross-country coach. At, That's uh, um, Don Cathcart. D- yes, yeah. there you go. And uh, um, and so when uh, uh, he and I started talking, I mentioned I was interviewing you today, and the first thing he says is, ah, oh, I just... I can't believe we still got that guy. <laughs> I'm That's so awesome. glad he's still here. He's and, uh, and so <laughs> he I think I'd love to know. It doesn't, have, not like, you know, you don't have to tell us your whole bio. You're welcome to. Um, but but kind of, you know, how'd you get into strength and conditioning? And, and you know, how'd, how'd you get here to Salisbury? And okay. you know, how long have you been here?
0: Yeah, so I've been here for 16 years. This is my 16th year now. Um I guess it, it, you know, strength and conditioning was always something that, you know, as an athlete, I played uh, college baseball at Towson, and you know, where it started for me at that point, I wanted to be a phys ed teacher. You know, I thought that's what I wanted to do, and that's how I could impact kids and so forth. And then got out student teaching, and it just wasn't one of those things that I loved. It Just wasn't something I could see myself doing for the next thirty five years of my life. You know, it was I wasn't passionate about it. Had I m- maybe as I was going through school and so i really loved you know anatomy phys and those types of things so um i was thinking about you know cardiology i, I really love the heart and how the lungs operate so i came to salisbury here to get my master's degree in cardiopulmonary physiology and it just so happened at the time they were also starting the strength and conditioning uh, masters uh, what year was that component. 2002 okay so 02 to O four. it was here and um You know, I I enjoyed it, but it will, again, it coming out of it, it wasn't like just some of the clients that you're almost late in their life at that point. You know, the ones that were, that you're, you know, dealing with for the cardiology. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, well, how can I impact, uh, I want to impact somebody else's life, but how can I do it way earlier? Like before these issues are, are coming about. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just, at that point, I just looked back and said, you know, what got me here? What, you know? what is it? What excites me every day? And one was baseball and uh, absolutely love the game and being around the game, you know, playing it growing up and into college and so forth. And, and then how did I get there? You know, I was six, I was able to be successful in, in college baseball mainly because of my work ethic. You know, I was a, a left-handed th- pitcher threw about 80 to 83 miles an hour, you know, and so I wasn't very good <laughs> <laughs> at all. I mean, but I was able to stick around because I worked And I continue to work on my craft and get better at what I do. Um, But I knew I was never going to throw 90 miles an hour. So I knew that I had to be better. I had to be stronger. I had to be more powerful. I had to be more fit. Um, I had to take care of those things that I could control and be the best at those. And then we'll see what happens. You know, I'd rather be on the baseball field than sitting in my dorm room. Not, you know, whether I play or not, like I'm okay. I'd rather be out there and just be around the game. Mm And then it was a matter of when my time came, can I take advantage of it, you know, or if it comes or when it comes, you got to be able to take advantage. And one of the only things, and we talk about this with our athletes at our mental toughness uh, concept uh, about a month ago now was, you know, have you done everything? The confidence standpoint, have you done everything you need to do to be prepared when the moment comes? And sometimes a lot of the moments come a lot more rapid for a lot more people. And then for those others, you might only get one. Mm -hmm. And have you done everything necessary? And that was the thing. It was stepping out onto the field against UMBC. I got my first college start I had, at the, up to that point, I had been there for three years. I played seven innings, four came in one outing. So I hadn't played very much in three years. And so now all of a sudden I've got a you know, I get a start against UMBC and, you know, mainly because I worked hard and it's like, ah, oh, we need somebody to throw midweek, you know, because everybody else is, you know, exhausted from the weekend or whatever. And so, okay, I go out there. I took a no hitter into the seventh inning and Got my first college victory, and about a week and a half later, um, we're walking off the bus, and coach says, you got game two today. I'm Hmm. like, okay. and We just happen to be walking off the bus at UNC Chapel Hill, and this is a perennial (laughs) top 25 team in the country. Wow. And you got game two, and it's like, well, okay. I mean, to be honest, in my head, what I'm thinking is like, well, is anything, I mean, I've already sat the bench for three years, like. Just go out and have fun. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst, You you go back to the bench. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there. You know, (laughs) I'm good. Yeah. So I ended up throwing a complete game shutout the first time, and I think it was like 132 games that they had been shut out. Wow. And just like that, I was the number four starter. All conference games at that point, we started our conference season the next next week. And so I threw all game four um, throughout that remainder of the season. And uh, ended up going five and two uh, that year. I got an invite to play in a collegiate summer league up in New York where I went six and one. And just like that, I had played seven innings in three years to now being, what's that, 11 and three.
1: And this is your senior or junior, junior year, year? Junior year. Junior college. Year. Okay. Yeah.
0: So then my senior year, I come out um, number one starter. Um, the guy who was a junior at the same time as me, he got drafted and signed with the Oakland Athletics. And so I was the number one starter opening day and a team captain and uh, much different, much more complicated conference um I mean we were facing like Verlander <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Justin Verlander really yeah literally yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. he was on the other mat on the yeah. other on the other bench and wow. as a freshman and um we had, I ended up going three and three that year um you know and again from where I was and I remember at the end the coach saying why would you why did you stick around I said, well you know I was so much I was so passionate about it so Again, I, I look back, and you know, why I got here now is kind of the whole wrap-up of this is what I was like, crazy passionate about. Like, I would do anything to just be around the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. And the coach asked
1: you that because you had been sitting in the bench. He said, why yeah. did you stick around? Yeah. Is he familiar with kids not sticking around at that rate? If you're a well, pitcher who doesn't think you're going to get in. I think that's the norm the nowadays. Trans- now it is. I think it is yeah.
0: nowadays, but I guess it was enough back then for him to well, I think you think might leave or, or just yeah. quit. I, I mean the amount of work that you're putting in at the division one level, mm-hmm. you know, where you're, you know, from study halls to, you know, practices, to liftings, to everything. I mean, it's a lot, you know? Um, but again, I, what else am I going to do? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to quit. I can tell you that, yeah. you know, you're going to have to, you can get rid of me, but that's okay. Um, were you all, so, so
1: when you was, were, when you, when he asked you that, why'd you stick around kind of unpack that question, you're sitting on the bench, were you, just grateful to be a part of a baseball team? Did you have a sense of frustration of wanting to get out there? Or? Well, it
0: was one of those things. Like, I believed that I could play, yeah. you know? I mean, I don't know if that's just stuff that you were fed or, you know, growing up, but I played against, you know, great players. Um, I played on a high school team that we were terrible. I think we won like four games in four years. And, mm-hmm. But it, I think at the same time, I learned a tremendous amount. I learned how to be, um, you know, how to work. I think it, so. Did you moment. always
1: have a sense that your opportunity would come, that you would get a I chance so. to play? I yeah. think so. I mean, yeah. it
0: was, and if it didn't, it, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you know, you've, you've made the team. You know, that was the first one. Well, if I made the team, it means I'm good enough to be able to be here. Now it's just, you know, and you play against those guys and in inner squads and things like that. And, you know, you have good games, you have bad games. So, so does the, the guy who's throwing 93 miles an hour, mm-hmm. who's a, a draft pick. You know, he had good days and he had bad days too in inner squad. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I can compete. You know, I just need to get that opportunity and I got to be able to prove myself. And, that, and that's what it ended up being is that I've got a lot further distance to go to prove myself than somebody who is throwing 93, 94 miles an hour. And, you know, I mean, he's got, a, a I would say, an easier road. Um, and so I, I almost had to, p- felt like I had to prove every step of everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's when you are lifting you are the strongest when you are running at the first, you know, you're, you're pushing to be the first one, even if you aren't like, there's guys that were faster than me, but again, I was always going to be at the top. You know, if we were running 10 reps, I was always going to be there through 10 where you had other guys who were quick through one and one, twos and threes reps, but then we're just dying off Mm -hmm. and, um, distance runs, whatever it was, you know, going in and watching film, you know, things along that line, it was stuff that I felt it was I had, to do, I had to do more of if I wanted to get out there because we had a lot of guys who didn't do that stuff who never saw the field again. I mean, where they finished their careers with 15 to 20 innings total, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I think part of it too was looking back saying, I don't want to have that, what if I would have done, you know, type of moment afterwards, mm-hmm. you know? Because the next, you know, 50 years, 60 years of my life, right? just constantly wondering what if I would have done I don't have to worry about that because I did it I did everything that I believe that I potentially could in that moment of what I knew you know and so I don't have to worry about looking back saying what if I would have done this and I think because of that I gained a lot you know of like the work ethic and and push and drive and what do we need to do to be the best you know, or at least strive to be the best.
1: And did you, so you, you graduate Towson, you go to, you come here to Salisbury mm-hmm. for your master's new yep. strength and conditioning program. And did you immediately connect to that and say, so, so did you, I guess the real question is, um, you, you start, you start getting your master's in strength mm-hmm. and conditioning. Um, do you start working here at Salisbury so I did, immediately after? I did
0: work with some teams and then I've got uh, an internship with the head strength coach for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, Tim Bishop and, um, still a great, you know, friend and mentor to me. Um, so I worked with him for, uh, in the off season, mm-hmm. um, before he went back down to spring training. And then once I graduated, um, well, not even that it was the second semester, a position with Toronto came up, came open Toronto Blue Jays. And so what I ended up doing is, you know, what I applied for it, it was a short season. So it was extended spring all the way through, through the season. So spring training, ends in like April right around there and so March April so I had to be down there I think right at, in March right around there and uh, so I ended up getting the job and but I had a, still a semester of school left mm. and so I just went to the professors and said you know here's here's what, here's the options you know like I'm probably going to take the job and you know is there anything that we can work out and because um, you would
1: still need it's in order to have the job, they wanted you to finish your master's, I assume. Or no. could, you could have had the job without could it because you it. have the certificate? Yeah, I had it without it. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay. It was a different time back then. Like yeah. now, it's, it's a lot more challenging now. Um, so I didn't, I, and I took the job, and, but I think part of it was. So you did, did
1: you finish your master's?
0: I did. And okay. how is um, basically a lot of it was the work that I was producing mm-hmm. at the time in school, I think was high quality. And that they said, you're probably going to learn more down there. If you can fly back and take your exams and pass them, you can pass the classes. And so I only had two classes. The third class that I had was actually already done. Um, We just had the final exam, but that was advanced cardiac life support, which you kind of need like a dummy to train off of and things like that. And so the final exam for that, you have then the first seven weeks of class, and then you have the last six weeks to practice. I didn't have that. So it was like, you know what? You better just know it enough to be able to pass it. And I did yeah. um, and became advanced cardiac life support certified. I mean, you're pushing meds and innovating. I mean, it's intense. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that, they let me go. I flew back one I flew back in an evening after work, um, came, took the t- exams the next day. Um, and flew back that night and was back to work the following day. After that, that's so a lot.
1: And, so you're flying from Toronto. But well, so we were down in Florida. Oh, you were down so at spring training for that. complex. Wow, yeah. coming back to take the exam. So flew and back, back and back flew Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So, that's a cool story.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was. I mean, it was, but it was one of those things like. Um, might as well go ask, right? Yeah. The worst they can say is no.
1: Mm-hmm. It is one of those things where looking back on it, um, never played varsity here, but you, you left it all on the field kind yeah. of thing. You gave it all you had. And it's not about some... Uh, it's, I, when I work with athletes today, I say, don't be outcome-focused. Uh obviously you want the outcome to work out in your favor but if you are so outcome focused with your effort with with your decision making with what you're doing then you're just chasing something Mm -hmm. instead of just saying i love this sport i love being around it i love playing the game i love giving it all i have and i'm gonna walk away and say i gave it all i have with 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 nothing left in the tank and that is just that's you know it sounds like it's just kind of maybe it's the way you were raised maybe it's just the way you were. but at some level you do walk away with a sense of peace of mind with with your experiences when you when yeah. you operate that way
0: I, I agree 100% i mean i just think like in, in nowadays i don't think you see that as much you know that type of uh, work ethic or drive or you know mental you you, you do know? think that's true you don't see that kind of <laughs> and part of the reason why i say that is you know at the at the youth levels now is you see more and more where hey if you're not playing it's not about working to get that playing time it's all right i'm just going to go find another club yeah you know when i was a kid you didn't have that like this was the club and that was it you know and in the you know baltimore metro area you had like two teams that were good mm-hmm. and then now it's i mean you're if, it's, if you're not playing there you go over here you know it was that was it it was those teams and then it was like massive jump down mm-hmm. you know um and so but but I think it was maybe an eye-opener at that point or what it was just one of those things I think you know like I said go back to like my high school where we weren't good at all Mm -hmm. um but you you get those experiences of learning how to lose um what can you do you know I mean it's a team sport you're dealing with you know at that point nine other guys or eight other guys on the field with you and your team of you know 20 or whatever you had and you learn those, okay, what what can I do? What can we do? How can we lead or grow and, and get better as a group? We may not win games, but, you know, I think if you're, you're, you're constantly chasing the wins and, you know, and you never have that losing experiences, you never reflect, you never grow, you know, I think also nowadays we might have those losing experiences and we're very quick to complain, you know, um, about the referees, you know, defend uh, or complain about a coaching decision. I mean, you even watch ESPN in the morning right? It's what coaches, what coach decision, if they would have done this, this would, have, you know, it's yeah. the very first thing you see, you know, on, on everything. And we complain, we, we blame. And others, I think a lot of that too, and, and
1: maybe ESPN and, and other, you know, kind of talk shows have exacerbated this problem un unintentionally probably. because at some level agree. you have to find 24 hours mm-hmm. of, of stuff to talk about. And so you're inherently going to, and that's the, that's the apart. people
0: that want to, they want to see that. They want to hear that, yeah. you know, like, Oh, what what can we do to get better? But, uh, I think it's one of those things like from a youth standpoint, we don't do, you know? So we, so at that point, because we, it's, we're always blaming others, like our reflection piece is well, it's not me, right? It's not about me. It's, it, it was all of that, you know? So it couldn't have mm-hmm. been my fault that I didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I look at kind of like how I coach and so forth. And if, if like our athletes aren't getting it, you know, where they're, they're struggling through the technique, it's not them. It's me first. Mm -hmm. I've got to look at myself. Okay. Am I, am I not, you know, coaching it well enough? Have I not, you know, uh, taught them the the steps well enough? Am I not using communication well enough? You know, whether it's verbal, nonverbal to be able to get the point across, you know, and I'm always going to go back to that first before I ever go, you know, and, and start, I don't even know what I would do if I went to them. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> you know? it's a, uh, it's a,
1: uh, uh, I was talking to a coach, I think it was two weeks ago. And he said, it was, he's a wrestling coach. And he said, my feedback is their results. Yeah. When I see their results, that's, that's the feedback I need. And it's, and it's, 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 it's then I can know how to say, again, like you said, first, you look at yourself. What did I not explain properly? How did Mm -hmm. I not communicate effectively? What was I not sharing right? And how do I ensure they get it and understand it? That doesn't mean there's no responsibility on the athlete. But when you come at it from a place like that, now the athlete is more open to taking responsibility to saying, okay, like now what do I need to do better
0: as well? I mean, you always got to, I think, look back at it as saying, you know, if I was going to, if somebody was going to teach you something that you had no really clue of what you were doing, can you really expect them to get it right off the bat in the very first try? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, and so like me getting frustrated with them, it it can't, you know, and I think as, as the semester goes on and people always like, well, you know, they keep doing it, you know, and it it keeps happening or, you know, people keep showing up late and things like that. I'm like, well, you know, what, what have you created that, that allows that or enables that or, you know, allows it to continue, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, have you ever just sat and talked with somebody Mm -hmm. about why they were late the first time, you know, who, do you know what's going on with them? You know, and there's, well, what's the punishment? I'm like, well, why, why do you have to decide that? Mm-hmm. You know, why shouldn't, why is it okay for the team to allow him even in or her in to the training session for the day? Or
1: is that what you do? If you have an athlete who is consistently showing up late, you pull them aside, you sit down and, and chat well, with them.
0: I'll talk to him early, yeah. you know, so I'll give an example. We had a guy, you know, Part of our, our um, core values, attitude is the first one. So as you walk into this room here, you know, your attitude, You know I, I get it. You're going to have bad days. You're going to be tired. You're going to have this. You know, but at the same time, you're going to have that same mental concept when you step out onto the field you know, of play. You might have had a bad day. You may not have got a lot of sleep before the game or whatever it is. It's going to happen there too. So we need to learn how to turn it on and turn it off you know, when it's appropriate. And so coming in through the door, I mean, the guy comes in, and you can see right off the bat, like, just something wasn't right, you know. And, you know, he comes in, he goes, starts going through the warm-up, and we're, I'm looking at him and watching. And then we start into our warm-up, and I'm watching and counting the number of repetitions that he's doing. And he was doing, you know, probably about half to three-quarters of what was being asked of him. And again, so now it's, what's well, you know, you have two options. You could jump on him, you know, and be extremely negative, you know, or you could sit and communicate with a guy and see what's going on. You know, and you sit and communicate with him, and there wasn't really anything going on. He just – it just wasn't there. Like, he, you know, from a mental standpoint, he wasn't focused at what what he was working towards. And um, so I pulled him aside and, you know, we just started, just started talking to him. You know, in the middle of the lift, it took, you know, maybe like a minute or so. Just pull him aside, and just a one-on-one conversation so it's not – doesn't feel, you know – you know, in front of his peers and feel, I don't know, any more stress or, yeah, yeah, called out. And, um, you know, just sit and talk with a guy a little bit and say, hey, you know, here's, here's our expectations. You know, um, I understand what's going on. You may have bad days and stuff, that's okay. Right. But it can't come in here. And then we, we have to relate it to what's going on at the field, you know, um, because if he leaves, if he brings that in here, he's going to bring it into his workload, into his work for the day. And he's not going to get the desired outcomes for the individual day that is, that are going to help build upon each other, you know, that compound effect to get the results, you know, whether it's maintaining strength in season or, you know, explosiveness or whatever it is, you know, mobility, who knows? Because um, it's, it's he's not going to put the desired effort forth. Mm. Um, and it starts with that attitude. So as a coach, it's something that we have to, I have to recognize right away um, because that could negatively impact the next. And so as he moved into the workload, um, it actually did impact you know, some of the guys that were there lifting were saying, "Man, uh, this guy's just bringing our whole rack down." Well, at that point, now it's a leadership opportunity for you guys to now say something. You know, I hadn't talked to him at this point yet. They had just come out of their, their general warm up, and they were moving into a bar specific warm up. Uh, so we hadn't even finished. I mean, we, we, it was and they maybe go into, fifteen minutes into. We're in your session. gym right
1: now, and as we were setting up, you were explaining you've got how many racks do you have in here? Seven. Seven racks, mm-hmm. and when you do the workout, you put four to six. Athletes yeah. on a rack, mm-hmm. and they do their entire workout at that rack. Yeah. So this this group of individuals, if if he's bringing their workout down, that's that's their workout. Yeah.
0: Right? And it's not going to only impact that group. It's going to impact the groups next to them too. Mm-hmm. You know, on either side, because it's again how they interact with each other. It's not just confined to one space. You know, it, it's people see it the way that we're the room set up, and so we just, we have not gotten out of the warm up yet. You know, and. They're already saying, hey, this guy's he's just bringing us down. And again, now it's a leadership opportunity for those guys. Okay, well, i I'm, I'm, I got to do what I have to do right now. I, once there's free time, I'll talk to him. You know. But I've got, you know, in this case, we had probably 30, 28, 29 other guys in the room at that time. And we're going through and getting ready for our work that we have to do. It's like one versus 29. Unfortunately, i got to focus on the 29 right now, but I'll get time for that one in a second but you guys have the opportunity to be good leaders right now and, and communicate and say something to him and talk to him, you know, and they did, which is good. They, the group that was there at that rack was, you know, they, they emerging leaders as juniors and, um, you, you know, won't be captains most likely, but they bring that, you know, something that we preach and constantly talk about. We've got to have a full team of leaders. Not one stands out from the next I don't care if you're a sophomore or freshman or you're a senior. You should be able to say something if you don't like it or it doesn't meet our values, our standards, or, or all the way up to our vision and mission. If it doesn't meet with that, then, ev- then everyone's got to say it. Because if you allow it to happen, it's going to spread. And that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, we want the positives to spread. But if this spreads, it becomes a negative. If that culture, and then that becomes the culture. If that becomes the culture, it carries then out to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. What I, what I like
1: about what you've, the, the, story is, um, this idea of, you know, you come in and attitude matters when you walk into our gym, attitude matters. And I don't think there's anybody in the world that would disagree with you on that. And, and then, but then the question is, okay, so how do we ensure that? And you've got an individual who comes in and clearly has something on their mind, something going on. Attitude isn't where it needs to be. And you can, like you said, you can motivate them. You can come down on them. You can fire up the other players to come down on an individual, or you can say, What's going on? You can simply ask the question. Well, and I think
0: even the players can do that. The players can ask. Yeah. Like, when you said coming down, I, like, I don't know if it's necessarily coming down. I think it's. I don't think you should. What's is what's my point. Yeah. Right? No.
1: Is so one of the um we worked with the basketball team a couple of years or maybe three four years ago now, and mm-hmm. the captain comes to me separately outside of our team training that we did, and he said, um, "We got a player on our team who just." Isn't invested. He's not there. Like I just, I can tell. Basketball is the most important thing to him. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, have you ever sat down and just talked with him for an hour? And uh, and he said, well, what do you mean? I said, just talk to him. Like, if you ever brought what you're bringing to me? Have you done that with him? And don't don't sit down and and say basketball is not important. to You all want to know why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just sit down and say I want to take time to get to know you. And I, he's, he was the captain who came to me. I go, if you don't want him to feel isolated, do it with every member of your team. You've got 15 guys on this team. Yeah. You should be. I was talking to him because I was doing coaching with the captain as part of our thing. Okay. And I said, if uh, I'm going to talk to you again next week, I want you to do this with every player. And, and at the, I frame it up. Yeah, Obviously, that's the name of this podcast. But I frame it up as I said, it's, it's 50 cups of coffee, but you're doing it with your teammates. Yeah. And so he does it. And I talked to him the week later on the phone. And the captain says, you wouldn't believe it. That guy was a 19-year-old young man, sophomore mm-hmm. in college, Division III school, so he's not on scholarship. Yeah. Uh, he's got a kid. He's got a two-year-old huh. son. And the mother of the kid is also on campus. They're not together, but they're, they're looking to – they want to raise this kid together. Yeah. They want to they find a way to do this. He's also trying to play basketball. He's also trying – he's working to, to pay his way through yeah. school. All this stuff's going on. And the captain says to me, no one on our team knew this. And I said to him, like, How, why didn't you share this with anybody? And he's mm-hmm. like, when does this come up? Like when, yeah, especially, you know, not to stereotype, but specific, I've a lot of men's teams don't talk like yeah. that. Women's teams don't either. But moreover, a lot of men's teams I work with, they just don't. They think they know each other, but they really don't. They really so don't this know. guy's coming into the workout. He's coming into practice every day. The coach was saying his attitude blows. His attitude is not adding to the space. And and knowing that he has a kid does not give him an excuse, but it does give you some understanding and some grace to be able to meet him where he's at. And, and like you said, when you pull in, in the weight room, this this young man does not need motivation. Mm-hmm. He needs someone to say, I understand maybe you had a day. I don't need to know what it is. But you got an hour to forget about that, to focus, to plug in, mm-hmm. probably to have a cathartic recharge experience of, of working your butt off with your teammates. So yeah. it's, it is raising his standard. It's not giving him an excuse. And, and, and that's an extreme example of, a, of having oh, yeah. a, a, a child that's to definitely. raise. And, and all of us have life going on outside of our sport, outside the gym, yeah. that impacts how we show up. And, and sometimes you just need... To, to have a moment of real conversation with someone.
0: And two things come to mind with that is, that, you know, the relationships and creating relationships and how critical relationships are. I think that's most important, one. I think two, then, is awareness. Hmm. You know, like, he may be, he may just not be aware of what he's, like, I guess, the aura, or whatever he's presenting. I don't think like he body was. Language. Yeah. He, he may have thought that he was really working his tail off. You know, I think a lot of times we see that. And so we actually will do something here where we assess and analyze that because I think it's critical because everybody thinks, and I guess
1: you assess and analyze
0: like how committed and bought in you are. How do you do that? Um, so Jeff Jansen, uh, his commitment continuum. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we utilize the commitment continuum. Um, and then everybody's name goes down the left and then where you believe they are goes into the middle and, um, you know, this is kind of like the, the perspective.
1: You're putting their name So in I, the put, yeah, I put yeah, I put their name
0: down the left side, everybody's okay. name. And now, you know, if you're on the team, you would analyze yourself and then every one of your teammates. Okay. And so it's the perspective now at this point is as me as the athlete, this is what my, my teammates believe. You know. Is it correct? I don't know. But it's what they but see. But that's what they believe. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that that critical point is they can now see that. And then we share it with everybody. You know, and I think it's important that the vision, mission, values, and standards are set f- ahead of time and we agree upon them. And that's what we're working towards. But because I think you can't do it without that. You know, I think it brings up too much um, just negativity. When you um, set it up ahead
1: of time. You need if to you set don't it it have if that. If you don't do that. Yeah. When do you do that? So when you work with a team, do you do, you do that before your first workout? You Sometimes
0: it, it'll take weeks. Okay. Sometimes it'll take like semesters you know, where we may just have a vision, you know, we may just have values and it's instilling them and bringing them out than it is really getting deep. I mean, I think to me, it's part of, because I get to spend so much time with the athletes in the off season where we're in, you know, four days, sometimes some teams, four days a week. Um, So I think it's a matter of, you can't rush it. It's not like a step process, I don't think. Uh, I think it's it takes time. Some teams move faster than others. Some teams do different things than other teams do. Um, I think it's got to be. I got to be able to recognize it. I have like mm-hmm. a rough outline of what I want to see or what we want to get to. But if we don't get there, sometimes you may step back when you get the next group in the next year. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to go back and reevaluate some of the things that that were done, or you know, even back to a vision and mission. Is this still? you know, apply the following year or is it something new? You know, like our women's across is, they, they change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that they wanted to do. They would say, it's a new year, it's a new us, it's a new group. This is what we're about. And, um,
1: I like that. You ever but, seen, um, coach K I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again, coach K in one of his books and I'll figure out which book and put it in the notes, <laughs> uh, says that people ask him, what's your coaching philosophy? And he said, I don't have one strict coaching philosophy because every team each year is different. And he's only working with one basketball team. I don't think year. he can, you know? And so he says, you look at the team that you have and you create a culture and a philosophy that works for them. Now, he obviously has an overarching culture of what it means to be a part of the Blue Devils.
0: Um, but, but when it comes to that specific team, As it gets it's down different to it, approach. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's how it, for us too, it's the same. I mean, we, you know, how you interact with teams is different and um, but it's still going back to that that concept of analyzing the commitment. And so then we also have them do it on themselves. So that was the second part of it is mm-hmm. the team does it, then the, the second part is you would analyze yourself on five critical components to being the best athlete you can. And so for us it's it's uh lifting, running, nutrition, recovery, and playing the game. So we go through uh you rank yourself on a one through ten. So we show you what using Jeff Jansen's commitment to continue, what a one would look like all the way up to what a ten would look like. And then you analyze yourself. You add the five. We just multi, we just double it. I mean, you can do whole, you know, addition math stuff, but we just double it. it gives yeah. us the average then at that point. And so now, I mean, you see people will come back in at your seventy six percent. Like that's your commitment here in the off season. Your commitment was seventy six percent. Is that good enough to reach the vision? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? You know, are we, I mean, when you look at it, that's just average effort. Mm-hmm. You know, just so you're aware. And I think this is the awareness piece now. And again, it's one of those things you can teach it, but it's you, you got to continuously emphasize it.
1: How do players respond if they let's say they come uh, I out think of they're eye stuff.
0: opening at times, yeah. you know, for some because they don't they don't believe it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they might give you you know ninety plus percent in the weight room, but when it comes to picking up the stick and throwing it against the wall, it could be fifty percent, mm-hmm. you know. And but when you're adding them all together and and saying this is like the holistic approach to being the best athlete you can. It's coming out at like 76%. -hmm. So you're just giving me average effort. You might be giving me above average in the weight room, but just understand that's not good enough. Yeah. Like that's just at that moment, it could be good for the weight room and what they need. But again, if we want to be better, we've got to figure out the other four pieces too, Mm -hmm. because they're all going to impact or intertwine in some capacity. At some point, lifting is going to peak out because of my nutrition, because of my lack of recovery. You know, so I got I to gotta be able to harness all those into play. And yeah. then my, my gameplay is going to be affected if, I, if I'm if i not strong enough or powerful enough or I'm not getting enough sleep and recovered. I'm not going to be able to give a max effort sprint when needed or reach max, the speeds that I need to reach to be able to get that ground ball, which, you know, I mean, could be the difference between yeah. winning and losing. And, you know, but I think it's just the, the awareness, you know, just becoming aware of where you currently sit. Because if you don't know where you're at, you're always going to want to believe you're better than where you are you find that and then work from there like i don't care if you're at a 76 percent i just don't think we can stay there mm-hmm. if you say and you know everyone's uh, do you want to win a conference championship do you want to win work for a national championship or, or some of our teams win a national championship yeah it's like okay well 76 percent good enough you know is it really going to get you there and if it is then well we're way better than than anybody else that year you know, talent wise, I guess, but it's never like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then in Jeff Jansen, some of his research he's looking at, uh, it's the, the book's called the commitment continuum, um, 80% or better on these, uh, testing show those are the, the more successful teams or scoring 80% or better. Well, here's what we have to do. You know, now we know what we have to do is, and I'm telling you, here's the approach that you need to take. Right. It's a clear you know, target. You set your target. standards. Yeah. Your what are your, what are your nutrition standards? What's your approach? You know, what are your playing the game standards? What are your running standards? What are your lifting standards? Like, okay, meeting standard is the bottom, right? Of it, that's just that's the base, right? You we, ideally, if we want to get better, we got to exceed those standards. I'm just giving you the base of what it's nece- what it takes to be able to reach, right? To where we want to go to success, yeah. you when, know. And, and how, however they're defining it, that's on them. Um, what I love about this, about this conversation is
1: it's kind of over like the theme in my opinion is this, this culture that an athlete is coming into. If an athlete's coming to Salisbury to play they walk in the room and, and you, are, you are doing the awareness of how they show up. You are, you are do, using these assessments. You have yes you might approach every year different. You have veteran players who've been through this kind of thing. You've been here 16 years. Uh, when, you, when you first got here um, so you were the Blue Jays at some level. So you, at some level, you you leave the MLB and you come mm-hmm. here. What what was the kind of what was the athletic department at the time? Had they won? They were good. What, what, what had they um, done when you got here?
0: You know, we had some national championship teams. and yeah. You know, overall, still a, a, one of the top programs in the Division three level. Yeah. Um, what I, year did
1: you leave? So how long were you with the Blue Jays? One season. One season, and yeah. then did you come back here? Then after I came that? back here right away yeah, okay. after
0: that. And um, you know, at the time the position that from a strength and conditioning standpoint it was like a threefold role. So there was a lot going on where they were managing the strength strength conditioning and then being an assistant coach on two different teams. And so constantly being in season. So I think it made it very, very difficult to that's really, the role
1: you took on? Well no, that's what that's, it, what, that's it was. what it was the year before. Okay, then you came out so then I
0: came in and they separated that and it became so uh, operating the rec center and strength and conditioning. Um, and at that time, the only teams that I had were my first year were baseball, softball, and volleyball. And the only reason I had volleyball was because Margie was coaching both softball and, ba- and volleyball at the time. Yeah. And so those were the only three teams I had my first year, my first fall semester yeah. in here. And, um, again, I was trying to establish a program and, and create and grow a program. And so we had to figure out how do we get every team in here training so those are the
1: only teams tr- – that's what you mean by that? Those are the only teams that now, were using you as a trainer? football was using me
0: yeah. as, as a coach. The football was in training, but they were – Was lacrosse not coaching.
1: doing strength and conditioning at the time? Not really, yeah. no. So how did know. you – if someone is, is listening to this who is in the role of a coach or strength and conditioning, and they want to create – at an at institution that maybe doesn't have the level of success that Salisbury now has, how do you create – a a program where you've got a team like the lacrosse team here that wants to come be a part a of it
0: well I think understanding that piece first you know is at that time it wasn't about developing staff or interns or anything like that now did I need them to help create a program yes because I needed more eyes on the athletes I needed you know that's that's the one piece of it and I would kind of put that off to the side for right now um it was communicating with the coaches i think that was creating the relationship with the coaching staff um i had it a little bit with most of them because i had been here for two years before that um but it was it was still you know even like on the lacrosse side it took a little while for us to get involved with them it started off we would just do some circuit work with them on fridays you know and then it was you know a little bit of nutrition work and then it was we got speed and agility then it was like open hours for them to come in and just train and do whatever they wanted to do. And, and part of that is coach Berkman's philosophy is that he doesn't want them to be dependent on, on me and what my services would provide. He wants them to be able to attack it and get after it because that's, that's the seagull way. You know, mm-hmm. that's just the way that's the edge of how he puts it. Mm-hmm. And it's been like that and that's their culture. And I said, well, it's, you know, and so we we slowly took those on to say, Hey, th- we can still create that environment. You know and I think I had to gain that relation that trust from from him that they we can still create that environment we're just going to give them a little bit things you know better things that they can be doing and we'll carve out this time for them and so forth so um I think that was the biggest one is creating those relationships and then you start working with one team and then communicate they start communicating between each other's you know the athletes are communicating back again it's creating that environment at that point now so we're going to create an environment in which the athletes want to be in you know knowing that they don't have to be because out of season, Division Three, it'd be an, it's a NCAA violation for it to be mandatory, so right. it has to be voluntary. So we create an environment that you know they want to be they want to be in. So this goes back to now having interns and having eyes. And you know your sole purpose for as those interns, those first couple of years, was to just create this awesome environment, like create a place, like communicate, talk. You know, give them a couple cues here and there. But I'm not going to develop you at this point. I'm sorry, but I've got to I've got to create a program first now, and that's got to be my focus first. And then we'll get to you guys, mm-hmm. you know? So it's unfortunate. So some of those first interns that we had in, it was more up to them to learn in terms of communicate and ask. Not that I wouldn't help them if they needed it, but it wasn't where we're at now is we have a set curriculum, a set program that they go through and we create separate, you know, developmental progressions for them to, to get where they need to go. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I'm just glad you bring up your
1: internship program because that is def- that was one of my questions okay. was just to talk about that because... What I have learned since leaving Salisbury and, and, and traveling and working with a lot of different teams, there are a lot of folks from anecdotally, I don't know if you know the exact numbers, a lot of folks in the strength and conditioning world that are your students that have come from this program yeah. that, that are still working in it. Yeah, there's that, a fair amount. Yeah. So, so how, how, has that, how has that come about? Because you started it with from nothing you create yeah. an internship program you don't even have the time to dedicate to those folks at first and now you know 16 years later you so was once you've got a lot of students out there
0: once we felt that like the program was was where it was when I mean, we had athletes were attending you know and it was it was now that became the next step you know so that was the growth plan was okay now you need to create and a staff you know so it's we need to really develop our GAs better we need to develop our interns And part of my mindset was if I want better coaches in, I got to produce better coaches out, you know? So, and that was step three then. So the third part of it coming after, once we felt we had the, our GAs or interns established was, I got to get out and make sure people know our program because they can't get jobs if people don't know where our program's all about. So I got to get out there. So I got to present more. I've got to be out in the scene a little bit more on that end so that, our GAs or our interns leaving here can get jobs, so that that process—it's that cyclical process—at that point where you know new GA comes in, they know our program, they they know where our our uh, interns or where our GAs are currently or where they've been, what levels—from Division One heads to you know major Division One assistants to Division Three heads to even in private facilities, you know, running their own private facility—I think that's got to be created so that they can see that because if we don't do any of that stuff, we don't get better in, we stay the same, right, and um, so I think that's kind of where it came from, and that was the process that was going to happen, so we established an internship program, um, we established a GA development uh, program, um, you know, and from there it's, you know, kind of setting that up and making sure it's, it's changing and constantly growing, but you know, we want to make sure coming out of here that our GAs, they're full time assistants. They're ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, right now, I got three, three brand new J's, and so I took this semester. Uh, but they each, in our strategic plan, they each have a component of the strategic plan that they're designed to operate. Now, I'm running the, the internship program this semester, but they'll take that over. One of them will take it over next semester. And so they alternate their jobs uh, each semester, they rotate. So at the end of it, every single one of the GAs will have, run, and develop the internship program. So when they're able to sit for an interview, they could tell you exactly. And it's, it's all on them. So I'll sit down with them. We'll talk about uh, curriculum and design and so forth and ideas that we want to get across. And, but I want them to put their own twist on it. You know, uh, I think too often we find that as you know, coaches that we got to have the reins and we got to have them locked down. But I think if you hire good people... And you hire the you know hopefully you're hiring good people mm-hmm. that you can let them loose and they'll, they'll, they'll thrive yeah, and um, I think I, I learned that f- you know middle early on in the career where too early on it was like, hey, you want got to be tight with everything' I'm like no, nah, you know what I hired good people, so they'll do they'll do good things, yeah I just' got to let them go.
1: Well, why I said to you when I was coming in here my you know when I was a freshman here, um, I don't even know if you and I I'm sure we interacted at some point. Probably. I yeah, knew you. I yeah. knew your face. We had shaken hands, you know, you meet the athletes. But my trainer when I was in this room was, was Mike Zordos. Yep. And um, he was so phenomenal. Yeah. I didn't know he was a GA at the time. I yeah. thought this guy was, you know, well, I think that's strength. what we try to create. Yeah. And there's he, a
0: lot of times that people don't know I run mags. Yeah. You know, and because maybe they just don't go in there for whatever reason. Um, I, I remember it was basketball and I, they they would see me set up for games and stuff like that, but they didn't they're like we were in here in the weight room and they're like I was like, Oh, I got a meeting, I gotta go over there, I have to leave. I have a GA in here, just like why do you have to go do that? I'm like, Well, I run the building, like it's you my do what? Yeah. Like you run the building, like, yeah, like well, I thought you just did strength and conditioning. I'm like, that's cool because that's what I wanted you to know. Like yeah. I wanted you to know that that when I'm here, I'm fully invested in you and you only, that you don't know that I ha- even have that mm-hmm. job over there. Mm-hmm. If I've done that and, and portrayed that, then I'm doing the right things. Yeah. So it was kind of... It was I remember seeing, seeing you set up the basketball that. court and thinking yeah.
1: that was just you being a good guy, wanting yeah, to no, help out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was my job, unfortunately. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. and doing it yeah. without complaint, though. But yeah, yeah. I think you, you create a culture in here of just, you know, Mike is an example, and, and I've met countless since um, that weren't here when I was a student, but that were given the ability to run a, a program, run this space, take their ideas, their initiative under your guidance, under your tutelage, um, but just they, they have that so that when they leave here, they've, they've they're been doing the work and they're they are fantastic at it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think if I don't give it to them, then I'm doing them a disservice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's... Then, then we haven't grown, yeah. you know? And I think as soon as, we, as soon as that happens and we're not growing anymore, like our program is... Done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's not to that. I mean, we've got to figure out how do you continuously grow and get better and and change and modify and you know. Even now, we were talking earlier about the technology pieces that we have coming in. It's you know one of the things that the um, one of our last GAs and uh, applying for a job um, was was I guess somewhat turned down or denied of the position because he had no technology experience. It's like, well, we got to figure it out now. You know, like if that's where it's at now. We're already behind the eight ball a little bit. Was that
1: your? Ape. Yeah, you and I were talking quite a bit about that. So that, that was your aha moment of realizing you need more technology that we need
0: to we need to change. Wow. Yeah. That I mean that goes back and to that at taking the same responsibility. Time, it, it works though. our athletes. Yeah. But. No,
1: hundred percent. But it's that is the going back to that. My my feed. Your results are my feedback. As athletes, absolutely. You're training the athletes, but even with your employees, if your employees are going out into the workplace and applying for that next level job, and they don't have everything they need to get it. Instead of just saying looks bad, on ah, us. Yeah. next one you'll get. You say, "How do we improve?" Yeah, and what you said, better was it better in or better better?
0: If you bring if you have better coaches leave, better, better coaches, coaches come out, in. then
1: better coaches come in. That's yeah. really cool.
0: And then our, and what it comes back to, it comes back to our athletes. then. Yeah. our athletes get better coaching, you know, and if they're getting better coaching, it means that they're going to be getting better. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's constant.
1: It all know? serves the same purpose. Yeah. Yeah you know That's awesome.
0: and at the end of the day it's you know what our vision is to impact influence and inspire greatness in our athletes you know it's what are we going to do like i want the best person in here to inspire you know mm-hmm. and i need to con- it's you know every 2 years it's constant you know with the gAs coming in i want to find the next best do you have you know? moments
1: uh, in your 16 year career and maybe more recently when you've kind of gotten even even better at this vision idea and and the culture you're creating do you have moments where you have athletes and or GAs who get here and find out this isn't this isn't the right fit this isn't where they want to be this isn't or have you created such a good kind of uh, hiring process I think that's what it is so I think know what they're you getting
0: know into. we've worked with or talked with um coach Raz with the Blue Jays now um but he was at Weber International and very very detail oriented guy and so we had communicated with him in, in in terms of his interview process and things like that mm-hmm. and You know, just try to to detail it out. I mean, it's a big, you know, these guys, girls that are coming in here to to coach, they've got a big undertaking. You know, they're going to work with some of the best teams in the country. You know, I mean, you've got, you know, top 10 teams, top five teams in the country, and you're in charge of their training. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've got to make sure that we do our due diligence to come in. And part of the interview process is you've, you've got to come in and run a training session. You know, you put all of us, it's probably the most stressful Part of the interview, I would say, um, is that they've got to run a training session with the coaches. So, like, me and our staff, our interns and so forth, and right, we say, okay, you know, you've got 15 minutes to prep. At the end of the 15 minutes, session begins, you know. So, whatever. Wow. It would be just like as a normal day, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. you've got. It's an audition. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And so, but I'm in there, and we're working, and, you know, we'll tell the GAs or the other interns, you know, like, hey, you're going to mess this up or whatever you know, just different things so that they, are they seeing it? Are they connecting? Are they creating an environment? Are they, so I could care less kind of what they do, you know? Um, but I'm looking, are you creating an environment? You know, I'm looking at at the other things that they probably have no clue I'm even looking at, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you look for that when you're looking for those other set of things? Which doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you look at anybody can design a workout for one day. Right. I mean, to me that'd be, you just go online and, print out like type in baseball workout. That's true. You, you don't even know what you're right? doing. Yeah. You could uh, probably Google your workouts. I <laughs> you could, you know, <laughs> Bring it um, in here. and so it's, I mean, same thing, like even on the resumes and so forth, like it's not necessarily so much about where you've been and what you've done, you know, like things I'm looking like, are you, do you pay attention to detail? You know, like I remember in some of them, we have, we have a list on our website. We did, we don't have it right now. Um, but we had a list of all of our equipment and then they would come in here. It's all on the website they would come in here and they write their work up and I'm like well sorry we don't have that we don't have this available like so already like it's, it's now like you're you're one step down because I had it all listed on the website obviously you haven't done enough research to, right. to look and and determine exactly what's going on or even just reach out hey do you ask have the this? question yeah, yeah. um and, and so those are some of the things it, it has like the attention to detail it's you know creating an environment creating an experience is it something that I'm going to remember um how you communicate how you interact Um, your level of energy, I mean, even our, your attitude, enthusiasm, energy, and effort, are four uh, values that we see in here. Am I seeing those four things come out in your work? Mm -hmm. Um, if I don't see it, this probably isn't for you. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: I love um, how consistent, you know, I think in my, in my head, as I broke down this conversation, I had wanting to talk about how you train your athletes and then also wanting to talk about your internship program and how you train those folks, and and quite frankly, it's it's you are so consistent with your core values and how you operate and how you show up that there is not a differentiation. It is just here's it's on the wall behind me: attitude, enthusiasm, energy, effort. You've got your pyramid of success over there. Uh, John Wooden mm-hmm. quote, and and it is that is no that the how this operates the culture of this place is the same culture that you create with the employees. And I think that's really cool too because it, it doesn't need to be separate. It shouldn't be separate. Yeah. It all serves, as I said, the same purpose.
0: It's just when you get down to it, what we do with them is different than you know, maybe how, but it has that same umbrella um, concept over top of it. It's just, it's different.
1: You're giving the athletes and your employees the answers. You're saying on your website and in here, this is what we're looking for. That's I'm a, not keeping it a secret. Yeah. It's not, I'm not, uh, you know, watching from afar. Mm-hmm. I'm in here with you. I'm explaining the expectation. And, I'm
0: asking you to reach it. And I think the culture then will dictate how far you go. Like the, the, where we reach those outcomes and successes is the culture that's created in the, in the space. Like I said, you could give all that stuff, but if you don't want to do it, it was, it was, it was worthless, right? Mm-hmm. And so my question to then is why don't you want to do it? you know, what, what drives you, what's your, you know, go back to what's your why and all that stuff. Um, but a lot of that, when it all comes back to it is what, what is the culture that we're in? You know, is it a culture that, that says that that's okay to just, yeah, just do whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And so creating that, that total environment that, you know, towards success. And, you know, again, what is success? And you look at John Wood and the quote that's sitting over there. Um, you know, it's, it's about the work, the effort, that you put in we'll every single day. quote on the wall? Um, it's the um, uh, success is peace of mind okay, in knowing that you've done anything and everything uh, possible to be yeah. your best today. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's all it is. Like, oh, that's all I can ask you, yeah. you know, is, is come in and be great today.
1: Well, that leads me to um, kind of, recently, and maybe you've been doing this for longer than I've been aware of it, but recently I've seen, you know, you did a mental toughness workshop here on Mm -hmm. campus and it's definitely been a part of your, what I've seen out on social media and that kind of stuff. And so I think what's specifically unique about you talking about mental toughness is, if you think of the athletes that you work with, there are a number of athletes who, uh, this is a Division three school, and the athletes are successful enough that your lacrosse team, for example, you know, if they make it to the national championship game, you're playing the national championship game in an NFL football stadium yeah. on Memorial Day weekend, which is the, the 25,000 people. 25, people in the <laughs> audience, uh, uh, you know, mecca of, of love lacrosse community. On top of that, obviously, you have, you know, track athletes that have won multiple national championships at a high level. You have mm-hmm. athletes that leave here and there's several who are in the pros or, or at different levels. So when you approach this idea of mental toughness, how do you approach it? What's, what are you teaching athletes when it comes to mental toughness?
0: Um, I think how we, the, the easiest way to explain kind of how we go about doing it is we introduce activities. Um, and then again, it's the concept of, of teaching it, but then it's how do you continuously emphasize it from there on out? I think early on in career, it was more about let's like, just teach it, and then we have got so much else going on. You, you, you never f- continue to, to figure out how to, you know, emphasize it. So um, that's now understanding. God, that's what has to happen. If you're going to teach it, you got to continuously emphasize it. So um, you know, we, we go through. We have our pillars and so forth. We don't really discuss it in, in that context where it's like a classroom environment. This is the pillars. Is you know, this is pillar one. Um, it's almost like. I would say somewhat disguised in how we're going about it. So looking at, you know, first pillar is um, awareness and uh, really the mindset. So mental awareness and the mindset and the mindset that we take. And that comes back to the attitude that you have walking in. Um, And it's the attitude that we carry throughout the whole entire lift. So, you know, that could be if you failed on a, on a rep test, what does that look like so it's almost that disguised concept that i might i'm sitting here and i'm talking to you about your mindset that your approach there's a lot of i can'ts you know we don't have that written, now oh, i can't no I'm gonna, i want to i want to sit and talk to you it's not a rule you mm-hmm. know that's a, a, to me like, it can't be it's got to be more personal in what we do mm-hmm. um and so it's how you interact that gives me a great opportunity to create so much better of a relationship with people instead of having it written up on the wall you know as a rule that i can create that but i got to be able to be a, cognizant and aware as a young coach it's a lot harder because you're so worried about x's and o's at the end of the day the x's and o's are simple you know um we don't need to get too complex in what we do um but I think the hard part is being able to see those types of things and when they come about and when you need to jump on them and when you can let them go or what you can let go. Um, so that would be kind of some of the early ones with that that type of uh, piece. But then, you know, confidence, like what does confidence look like and how are you developing that? You know, part of that is the, the um, assessment pieces that we were talking about earlier. Again, if you're coming in at seventy six percent, you probably haven't done enough. So when you get into that situation out on the in the stadium at twenty five thousand people, uh, pressure now starts to take over, right? And now the the mental peaceness come into play. Or the mindset that you have changes. Is has I done enough? Have I done enough? You know, am I? It allows you to become a little bit, uh, I guess, towards the negative side of that. that so mindset. in some respects,
1: you're saying your preparation creates yeah. confidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's one part of it. You know, again, that, sorry, the, 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 the mindset is another piece, you know, like you could do all you, all you want, but if you have negative self-talk, you know, it, it, they don't work together. Mm-hmm. But again, it goes back to the awareness one ahead of that. When you do have negative self-talk, everybody has it, you know, there's like, man, I don't want to go to work today or whatever. Like, Wait a minute. What do I get to do? I get to go and impact, influence and inspire greatness, you know, today. Like, yeah, a lot of people don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, cool, let's get after it. You know, it is what it is. You know, yeah, I'm tired. Again, it's the same thing that we're preaching to all of our athletes. Every, it doesn't matter. It's not just here in the weight room or out on the field. It's in life. You know, one of the things I always ask is, how many people did you, did you hit your alarm today? You know? and um, Like hit the snooze button. Hit the snooze, yeah. yeah. How many times did you hit snooze today? And, you know, we raised their hand and, you know, half of, them, half of them done that. I said, well, you're delaying your opportunity to be great that day. You know, it's, it's basically saying that you're not willing to attack the day and be great today, mm-hmm. right? It's a mindset. That's all it is, you know? And, and then we talk physiologically what can happen by hitting snooze and going back into a REM cycle and actually waking up more tired. Never anymore. works out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what if we just change the mindset, attack the day, and let's get after it, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 boil it down in that context. So a lot of it is disguised throughout, uh, but then we do have some, you know, give an example like the Tower of Hanoi and talking about uh, the ability to handle pressure and figuring out what's most important next. You know, being able to stay in the moment. Um, and so this would be attentional control um, as one of our pillars. <laughs> and so the Tower of Hanoi, it's basically you have a 45, 25, 10, 5, 2 and they're all stacked on top of each other. And you have three boxes to work in. And the goal is to get that whole stack just like that into the third box. Now, you only have two rules. You can move one at a time. And a big one can't go on a little one. And so we start doing it. And that's the only rules that we'll go through. And they're in small groups, which makes it even more complicated, because then you got to listen to multiple different people telling you different things, which increases the pressure. Right? It's just the same thing out in the field. You got coach yelling at you, you got the the position coach yelling at you, you got other players yelling at you, you know, and you who do I listen to? Because they're giving you three different messages. All right, well let's let's demo that here. It's not the same context, but it starts it, it initiates the context. Right, so they're going through that, and then there's other things. I'll walk around and say, "Ooh, this is it." Just make a noise, and they look. They look up. Right. So I'm distracting them. So I'm creating distractions. And you're again, doing that
1: randomly, yeah. Noise, just, and they don't even yeah. know.
0: Like it could have been perfectly fine, but I just set. Uh, we're we're getting it into their mind, and we're we're putting that self doubt in there, right? Because they're going to do it out there. It's going to mm-hmm. happen out there. The self doubt comes into play, but again, it's the initial concept of okay, how do we go through our routine, our met uh, and become more mentally tough, which I'll talk about here in a second. So we go through that. And some guys, it'll take them you know, less than a minute. And then other groups, it'll take them like five, six, seven minutes to get this thing done. It should take literally about 45 seconds. It's 31 moves. So it shouldn't take very long. Yeah. But the problem is they're always trying to figure out the end game, right? They're always trying to win the game and finish this whole thing. But the problem is it, it doesn't work because if you mess up the first one, it could screw up everything, Right. Even if you do it right and you, you miss another one somewhere along there, it could screw up everything. So th- really the only thing that's most important is the next piece that you're going to move. That's it. Because if you had messed that one up, the whole game screwed up at that point. So it's just a matter of figuring it out. Okay, if I need to get my 45 over here, that means the 25 has to go here, the 10 has to go there, the 5 has to go here, the two and a half there, go. That's it. Done. Make it happen. And now you start doing that and putting them back together. Okay. All right. 45 is now free. Move it. Okay. What's most important next? 25 got to get on top. Okay. So that means the 10 here, five there, two and a half here, go. All right, and you're done. And you just keep doing that same process and just think one thing at the, but it's a great opportunity to see it because the, the amount of stress that happens in that in them, because we make it competitive. Mm-hmm. So we also use it as part of our iron Sammy. So each week we do a competition. Sometimes they're lifts, sometimes they're mental challenges, but we do this one early on. I think it's the third week. Um, and so they're also competing against the other teams. For That's a, what Iron Sammy team is:
1: teams competing against, against teams, teams in these competitions. Yeah. And, and so they're one trying of to get the, the fastest to put together
0: the, the fastest Tower of to Hanoi. get the Tower of Hanoi done. Yeah. And so they take a team average. So we might have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have eight groups going on at once, and so we will take the, the best of in eight, here in, in here. the gym. Yeah. The best of eight going down. It's less, and all they they all take less than five. Well, they should take less than five minutes. Yeah. Um, but again, like six, seven minutes, it's not the end of the end of the world. But that's our introduction. And so, what we talk about, then I go through it and show them exactly if we just focus on the very next play, right, what that looks like and, and how we go through it. And, like, literally, I'm going through it and talking at the same time, and we get it done in about 35 seconds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I don't even take pauses and breaks, right? And so, now this goes back to the concept that we're using. You know, we do a lot of the, the uh, Focus 3 podcast work, I listen to a lot of that, and um, the E plus R equals O. Mm-hmm. Um, so, event plus response equals outcome. And uh, the concepts of push, uh, press pause, right? So you have your event, right? This is an event that's occurring right now. Press pause, right? And let's get our mindset right. right? Those are the first two steps in, in that process. Well, what's your right mindset that you need to take the approach is figure out what's most important right now, right? That's staying in the moment and not letting the game take control, right? You can't score two goals, right, in, in, in lacrosse. It's impossible to score a two-point two goal. It right. doesn't work, right? You can only score. But if you don't make that pass, Right? Or you don't catch the ball because you're too excited to make that next uh, cut and run and shoot because you see that space is open and you forget to catch the ball. It goes out of bounds right? and it's a turnover. And now we've lost that opportunity. So it would be no different than the Tower of Hanoi by putting that thing in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. And so it's that initial initial concept. But now it's how do we continue with that? Right? How do we focus on what's most important next? right So we're going to step up onto the rack a lot. Right? Well, what's our routine? What's our mindset routine? Our trigger? How do we make sure that the mindset is in a positive situation, not in a negative? It doesn't matter. Like hey, I'm stepping under the rack, I'm just going to squat. My mindset's not right. It's neither positive or negative. It's just kind of there. Right? No, no, that's not good enough. We want to make sure that your mindset is positive in terms of how we attack things. Right? Same thing out there. Is you know when you give up a goal, what is your mindset? I'm just trying to teach you your routine. Right? Get you to go through your routine so that you do it enough. So when you get out there, you gave up a goal. It's not, oh, woe is meme, heads down, gloomy. No, it's, hey, go through your routine. Let's get your mindset right, and let's attack. Mm -hmm. And so we step. You step up onto the rack during your set, right, Your, your routine. You need to go through it quick, right, and then you're gone, right? But I want you to attack the bar. And so, again, that's how we continue to emphasize. We start off with that drill. We continue to emphasize it in here. And we go out, um, they'll be out in there. by that time, they'll be in their non-traditional season. So I don't really have a lot of running that we do with them at that point. We do a lot of speed work, but, um, I mean, it's the same thing out there. It'll carry out there is, like yeah. I, I purposely want you to communicate with each other. You know, like if we're doing speed work, so we want full recoveries, right, um, in order to give maximal effort. And so let's say we're running 15-yard sprints. And we want a full recovery walk back. I want you to interact with your other teammates. Like talk, have fun. I don't care. Right? This is your opportunity. I'll purposely tell them that. But when you step back up to the line and it's time to go, right, and I'll give you the countdowns and all that. When it's time, right, I'm gonna give you the call, right, for your routine. You go through your mental routine, you reset yourself, right, and attack what you're about to do. Right? And just emphasize it over and over and over again so that when it's time, hopefully it comes into play out there. Mm-hmm. Our next progression, once they get out of their non-traditional season, so I'm giving you an example for lacrosse here. Once we get out of our non-traditional season, we move into a games model. And so we're playing small-sided games. Now, obviously, we can't play with lacrosse ball or stick, um, but we play like a um, – it's almost like a modified um, uh, like handball game. Yeah. Um, but we have zones. So like a zone might be four by four. And so if you step into the zone, it counts as a point. Anytime the ball touches ground, it's a turnover. right? So I make a pass to you, and – I threw it over your head typically what happens right that person gets pissed off because they were wide open right no it's a turnover next ball's already there and it's gone right so we don't have, one we don't have the time but two if that's the mindset that you have you're not going to be and they're going to be man up on their way back in their transition again that field shouldn't be the first time we've ever done that when that happens it's like oh i made a bad pass who cares move on next play let's go Right? And if your routine's quick enough, you can snap out of that and move and get your mindset right and attack. Yeah. Right? But we might highlight that. So we'll set up the field so that they're all near each other and everybody, you know, near the water and so forth. And so in between during our rest break, that's a great opportunity to sit and talk with your athletes. Right? They can sit and drink water. Like, why not let's get something done? It's like, okay, what was your mindset? You know, I noticed, Bobby, in this play, you know, you, you, you made an errant pass. All right? What were you thinking? You know, right after it's like, oh, I was just upset that I made a bad pass. Okay. What can we do next time, right, if that happens? How can we modify, change, adjust, grow from that learning experience right there? So it's a quick reflection. All right, cool, awesome. All right, you know, next game, your team is now up, up three. My team's down three to start the game. All right, go play, right? And we come back. Okay, Matt, your team is down three. What, is, what was your mental approach from the beginning? Well, hopefully we're hearing it's to attack the next play. Right? It's play one play at a time, make good passes, you know, play simple, you know, play basic. Okay? I kind of noticed you, know, you kind of do these, like trying to push it a little bit too much. What were you thinking? It was like, well, I felt like I needed to score because we, we were down. Okay? But understand, you can't score three goals at once. Right? You can only make the next pass. You can only make the next play. You can only make the next catch or whatever it is in that model. But again, it's that taking the simple concept of next play here with the Tower of Hanoi eight weeks back, to now implementing it out into the field in terms of what I have the ability to control as a coach. Um, and hopefully it carries on to the field from there. Yeah,
1: I think it will. I think my biggest epiphany, aha, even in you explaining all of that, is uh, just the reality that you are, you're a strength and conditioning department. And you call it sports performance, maybe mm-hmm. to make it broader than that. But regardless, whatever you call it at your campus, um, how that, that activity, the Tower of Hanoi and others, and then taking it to the handball field is all it's all, you're, you're training the mind at the same time as training the body. It's not one Mm -hmm. or the other. It's not, we're going to do Wednesday. We're going to have a day where we sit in the classroom and talk about mental toughness. It is, you're going to be learning this stuff as you go to the point where you might not even be fully aware how much you are learning because you're just experiencing yourself growing mm-hmm. and, and you're experiencing your, your mindset continuing to shift. And it goes back to that awareness piece that you've continued to bring it back to just making the athlete aware, a, asking them the question, what was your mindset after that mistake?
0: And I think those are some of the ahas that they get, Yeah, you know, is that when you, you know, they've, they've constantly said something or, you know, negative, or, you know, especially you see it a lot in the, I can'ts and I think from a from our coaching standpoint because we talk about this with our coaches um our ga's and, and interns and so they'll be in the room observing a, another training session and and somebody will say it and i said told you you know i'll reach i'll look back at them i say you see you see what it, do you see it mm-hmm. you know because sometimes they don't see it I say hey did you see it They're like yeah you know like yeah now their confidence is already down like this had to do with a it was a vertical leap test we, we were vertical leap testing and then if, as soon as it was in here, or no, it was the Tower of Hanoi. It was Vertical too, but Tower of Hanoi. We had it set up before they came in here. And as soon as they walked in, they're like, oh, I'm not good at this.
1: And I said, I looked over it because they had done it last year. I yeah. looked
0: over and said, told you, right? It's like the mindset before they even started was like, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, it's like, so how good are you going to be? You know, and then it gives it's me amazing the how you can slip them.
1: back into that. I I, I, worked Everybody with that. Does. I worked with a soccer team this year and um, I came back in for, so I'd done my, the first time I work with a team is typically my, my ideal is we do the 8am to 8pm program that mm-hmm. I've talked to you about this heart of a team program. It's, it's hard. It's a difficult experience. And it puts you out of your comfort zone a lot. So the second time I came in to work with the team is not this intense, hard experience. It's a two hour, we call it a recharge program. Mm -hmm. It's typically like before playoffs or conference play or whatever it is. And I facilitate conversation among the players. So I come in, I walk in the back of the room and the head coach is running game film. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the back of the room with the assistant coaches. They're saying, Hey, we're talking. And the assistant coach looks like we're just standing next to each other, not saying anything. Mm -hmm. And she leans over to me and she goes, Do you feel the tension in the room? And I go, yeah. And she goes, what is it? I can't place it. And I go, it's because I'm here. And she goes, no, that don't. That's not true. And I go, it's a thousand percent true. They. I'm not saying they don't like me. Yeah, they're nervous that I'm here. They're nervous about what we're going to do. Yeah. And she, she says, "Like no, 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 they love, they keep talking about that program. They really enjoy it. Go, I'm not saying they didn't. Yeah. It didn't mean it wasn't hard and how quickly your mindset goes back to that. Mm-hmm. And so I always call it out to start the recharge and say, one of our tools that we use to build confidence in the program is giving a speech. Public speaking is the number one fear for oh, most yeah. people. So I always start out by saying, turn to someone next to you, say, we're not doing speeches. And right. they all laugh <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it loosens it up. And I say, we're going to have a conversation. And at the same time, we do talk about that quite a bit of going back to the awareness piece of and just pay attention to what you were focused on. We got so much growth out of that day, yet when I come back in, you're not focused on the growth and excited about that. You're focused on the pain of how mm-hmm. difficult the day was and kind of nervous yeah. about that. Because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah. Yep. If that's where your mind went, I'm not trying to call you out here. I'm trying to just make you aware, aware. Yeah. that if it happened here, it's happening elsewhere. It is. And, and that's just, again, that awareness piece is huge. Yeah. And then it's getting out of it. Yes, you shake know. it out. Be aware of it move forward. And you do I always have athletes who will say, "I wasn't
0: I'm excited you're here." And it's like, yeah.
1: "Great. How do you like that's that's the the leader of the group right now whether yeah. you're a captain, a senior, a freshman or sophomore." And it's junior. it's
0: impossible to to say that it never happens to anybody. No, of course it happens. It's, it's always going to happen at some point. It's not about getting better. No how it. Yeah. how much, you know, like you even you and myself and as much as we do it, there's times when we have that same thought process. Mm-hmm. But again it's can i go through i mean even with like for example like my daughter you know sometimes she's slow in the morning you know and it's like i've had to take that step back where it's like we just we we emotionally react you know and looking back it's like man that probably wasn't the best Mm -hmm. you know what i should have done is i should at that moment i should have hit pause you know i should have got my mindset right and then better attacked
1: I yeah, think there's so something too do of, 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 as a parent, as a coach, as a person at the front of the room, of having the vulnerability to acknowledge those moments. Uh, when I first, I worked with them um, University of North Carolina volleyball last year, the year before, well, both years, but I think two years ago was our first time working with them. Mm -hmm. And I'd worked with division one programs. I'd worked with ACC, big 10, but for some reason, you know, I just always loved UNC. I mean, you mentioned going down there to play baseball, right? And, uh, and so walking in there, I walk into the arena where the volleyball team plays and it's where Michael Jordan, had played when he was on campus. And so as soon as you walk in, I mean, I know the name of the building, and they've got this whole thing dedicated. Like what you guys have for your every team's trophy, they have that just for Michael Jordan, his shoes, his whatever. Um, The court looks the same. And the the room that we're in is the press room. That's where we did our training. Mm -hmm. And so I came in, and I noticed myself that I was – I was I was in awe of it and I was a little intimidated by it and halfway through the day I had already shaken my nerves. Like I, I have my process. I yep. have my pregame that I do before a training yep. that I'm into it. But halfway through the day, we started talking about this idea of mental toughness, this idea of, we call it the choice model. You have a decision to make when you're entering any sort of challenging situation. And I said to them, I go, how many of you, maybe you were excited when you got recruited to play here, but then you showed up on campus and you were a little intimidated by it. And they all started nodding and laughing. Yeah, I, and I go, that was me about four hours ago. <laughs> yeah. And they're looking at me like, oh no. And I go, dead serious. And I walked them through. I go, I've been in a lot of cool environments and I don't care. Nothing compares to this right now. And you could tell just having that sense of honesty, vulnerability, transparency, Mm -hmm. and using that as an example of even because I think athletes and all of us put people on a pedestal. You know, they, oh, yeah. they put you on a pedestal, right? Oh, you know, this is Matt and I, and this podcast is going to be all about the tools and the strategies that he uses to be a champion. It's like, no, and here's some simple stuff of just saying, like, mm-hmm. let's be aware of our own, whatever it might be going into situation. You don't ever, it's not like, oh, 10 years ago, I had a negative voice that impacted me. I have it today, yeah. and I've gotten a lot better at silencing it, yes. and moving forward, so it doesn't impact me. I agree. And I think the more that we create that awareness, that we stop putting people on pedestals, whether they're pro athletes, successful coaches as you name it, it it, it frees up athletes to have a little more vulnerability
0: as well. I agree. 100%. One thing
1: I want to get to is... Again, the theme of the podcast is 50 Cups of Coffee. You've talked a lot about the value of relationships. Quite yes. frankly, I think if you unpack your philosophy of creating culture, for me, it comes down to that relationship. 100%. It's not about uh, saying on day one, here's our top 10 things we're looking for. It's just building those relationships. Yep. So Number one. I'd love to ask, I think uh, this is going to be a twofold question for you. Okay. Uh, the first one is I'd love you to share a couple of the experiences that you've emailed me of because I think they're awesome for people to hear okay. of, of um, you know some of your GAs and how they've gotten jobs, gotten opportunities, conversations just by reaching out. Because yeah. I do think people overcomplicate this. So some of those stories are awesome.
0: Yeah. So um, one of our uh, projects that we have for our, our interns and GAs uh, to go through is same concept. Is basically we want you to call. You know, we want you to talk. You got to network. You got to get out. Right? You got to talk to people. One from just a growth standpoint, but again, that network is going to be something that helps could help you develop you know, further down the road. And, um, I think it's also that, that opportunity where you get to ask questions and, and, you know, it is uncomfortable, you know, so it's putting it into that same situation. And so, um, one of them called, uh, you know, and again, I left it up to them to whoever they wanted to call They could call whoever they wanted. And so he ends up talking to, uh, as they're in season and it was football in season. And, uh, He's like, well, you either got to be the stupidest. Who do you uh, call? You uh, I can't remember what school it was. School like, it, was. Um, it was like a Division One. It was Division One, major yeah. Division One yeah. in-season football. Yeah, <laughs> strength coach. Yeah, and so it's like you either got to be. Was this the West was, Virginia
1: kid or no? Was it it might have been. It was either yeah. West
0: Virginia. It might have been Oregon. Yeah. Uh, or okay. Yeah, those, those are the two. Yeah. about. Either way. And, either one. And, and, yeah. I can't remember exactly which one it was. It's <laughs> like we well, got to be the stupid because you know, or you just got to, you're just determined, Yeah, you know, to, to learn more and grow and, and figure it out. And I guess he went with the, uh, the latter of the two to, to learn yeah. more and grow and figure it out than, <laughs> than being the stupidest. But again, it was like, you know, at the end of, you know, we're all people, you know, yes. If they don't have time for you, how do you, what are, what are they saying
1: that. when they call? So they're straight up cold calling this individual and, are, uh, well, and... it
0: starts off, I think they've, they've got to email them, contact them first, okay. um, set up, a you know, an opportunity to you know if they're willing to to sit sit down and talk. And the intent um, is just
1: saying, I want to connect to to grow as just, a professional
0: yeah. in this field. And so then they've got to create questions, um, they've got to do some research on the on the coach first, um, and then they've got to create their questions, and 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 go. And then they've got to report back to us kind of what's going on, what were their questions, you know, what did they say, and once they get to that that uh, part of the work, and um, so at the end. The guy was like, "You know, what, what do you do? You have to? Do you have any more schooling, educa- internships, things along that line?" It's like, "Yeah, I got to. I got to do a summer internship." And he said, "Well, you know, if you're if you're interested, you know, we might we'd be really interested in, in you know getting in more detail and you know having you potentially even come out here for an internship." You know, and it was, I mean, this is you know one of the top Division One programs in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and just like that, he was, you know, it was pretty much laid out for him right then and there and since then i haven't talked to you about this but you know i asked the guy uh this was maybe two weeks ago i said hey so where are you at with the internship he's like god i don't think i'm gonna i don't think i can i'm gonna be able to do it financially i said it's not the right answer i said you have the opportunity to work for the rest of your life right you'll figure it out you know and one of the other ga's was already there because it's an unpaid internship kind of thing yeah he had already heard me talk about this before he's he's before i even said it uh, I said, that's not the right answer. It's like, like, as soon as I started talking, he's like, you just got to figure it out. You know, the, the, the other I, guy gee, said, the that said that. Said yeah, that. yeah. And then, As I was saying it, I was like, yeah. yes, you just have to figure it out. I was like, because this is an opportunity that could change your life forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like those people have the ability to change your life. And it kind of goes back into kind of that, the concepts. I'm sure you've met ton of people that have changed your life mm-hmm. and how you go about every bit of your work, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, it very well could be. And I remember we had a, a guy, he had, he had two opportunities. He had an opportunity to go to, to Eastern Michigan or down in Florida. And he was a guy that had paid for schooling and so forth, but on his own. And his grandmother had lived down in Florida not too far from that school. And, uh, you know, wasn't, didn't have a tremendous amount of money and so forth. And she said, well, you know what the decision is. You know, the head strength coach at Eastern Michigan was Ron McEfree at the time. He was one of the greatest strength coaches in the world. And um, not that the program down in Florida wasn't good, but you kind of know the, the, the choice that you have to make. Mm-hmm. I said, you'll figure it out. You know, we had another guy with, with Alabama. He calls me up on a Monday. And uh, with, you know, Alabama, he had a, uh, it was a one-year unpaid internship. They call him and say, "Hey, we've got an interview um for you uh for this internship, but it's on Friday. you know we'll see you at this time, so forth. He's like, "Well, do I say anything back And this guy again paid for schooling on his own, and you know um Alabama's not really close to here, so it's not like he's going to take you a little while to drive there and so forth so um so, you know you know that you know what he's like they don't want you to call like." They want you to show your interest. You Mm -hmm. know, if you're interested, you will get there on Friday. If you want this, you will get there on Friday and you'll be ready to go on Friday if you want it. And uh, he ended up figuring out how to get there. And I think he said somewhere in the range of like 30, I could be mistaken, but it's pretty close to that. 30 people were given this opportunity. I think five or six showed up, four or five of them got the job. And he was one of the five. Yeah. uh, Four or five that got the job and um, had an opportunity to spend a full year. With Alabama, I've got video, you know, with him and Scott Cochran, and you know, some of the best, you know, this was it was in between national champ, back to back national championship years for Alabama too. That he's in there, you know, working and learning from those guys, and um, again, a lot of it's those simple little reach outs. You know, that people always want to know,
1: they always ask me, I I call, they don't ask it this way, but I say, people always want to know the secret sauce. What's the secret sauce? What I love about your story of how how you, you empower your, you make your students. So you got to reach out to these people. You're not making the introduction for them. It's not you calling your colleagues, calling your friends, using your, your clout that you do have in this world of strength and conditioning. It's saying to these, these athletes, yes, you're at a program where you've done the work, meaning you to, to build up the reputation of Salisbury. Mm -hmm strength and conditioning, and it's still on them to email and say, you said, do your research on the coach. So know who the individual is. It's not your email and everybody, you know, it's, I have an interest in working for you for this reason. I'd like, and, and they're not even asking for a job in the email. They're saying, I yep. just want to learn and grow. And, and, and so then they make the conversation and there's no bad that can come out of it. Yes. You have this tremendous story of the individuals who got jobs and unpaid internships out of it, but there's also the individuals who didn't, that's still just via the conversation or the connection or learning something and can go back to that mm-hmm. years later. And what I love about, love about the Alabama story is even just like, like get it done, make it happen, find a way. When Ryan and I first started um, adver- marketing to athletics, we had a lot, we'd been doing this work for a long time yeah. uh, in, in many different markets and just really, as I talked to you about back then when mm-hmm. I first got into it, I just really want to work with athletes. That was my answer. I I just wanted to. And so I'm emailing coaches, uh, top division one, division two, division three, I'm emailing everybody that I, that I thought would be a good fit for us to work with. So not just any team teams that I really thought would be a good fit. And I was finding that people are also, they're open to connection, but they're also really decent people. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm emailing Alabama, And I'm saying, I'd like to talk or connect or meet. I always found an in-person conversation was way better than over the phone. Always has been. That's why we're doing this in person. And so I started saying, I'd love to meet in person. And people's response would be, well, tell me when you're in town. And when I started getting that response back, I thought, so this coach is willing to meet with me if I'm in town. And so what I started doing was, um, and if a coach has ever gotten this email from me, you now know where it came from. I started emailing. The subject line would say, I'm coming through town. Nice. And then the email would say, I'll be in town. And I'd give like two, three weeks that I had open on my calendar. I'll be in town this particular week. Yeah. Um, if you're able to connect, let's make it happen. I got a lot of responses. There was, I think it was two Decembers ago, I huh. spent... Almost the entire month, driving all over. I was in Illinois. I went to Northwestern University in Chicago. Pretty went wild. through Pittsburgh. Uh, like had basically drew out on a just map loop, yeah. just to connect with these coaches. And that was the year that kind of took off for us a little bit. We we worked with a lot of those teams that I met with in person. Yeah. And and I told the coaches that the, they would ask like, "So what are you doing in town?" I said, "I'm I'm here to talk to you. That's yeah. what I'm doing in town." And that, that probably made them feel good. That <laughs> yeah, you know, they it's did. Like, oh wow, this yeah. guy's really. Yeah, you know, and it just, but it's it's kind of it's it's continuing to the secret sauce is continuing to say how do I make this an easy yes for the person I'm reaching out to? I would agree. That's it, and 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 if it's if it's just letting if it's taking away, they don't want to be the person uh, to say like Northwestern's a good example. That's a hike. That was like yeah. a 12, 15 hour drive or something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I hit schools on the way, but uh, but no way would that coach have ever said, absolutely, come out next week. Yeah. But when I say I'm already there, they accept the invite. So yeah. you find the way to make it's it easy happen. for
0: them to say. Yeah, it's easy for yeah. them.
1: Make it easy for them, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Um, do you? So this, those are awesome stories of your, your students. A question that I've asked in every podcast, uh, maybe minus like the first and second, because I thought of this too late. But um, <laughs> do you you have a, a 50 cups of coffee story of your own that it doesn't have to be a great story, but just the moment of saying, you know what, at the time it was, it was just a connection, but it's led to, uh, I do. more than that.
0: I've got a really good one. Okay. So, um, I was in my first full year, maybe second. So it, it's, you know, 15, 14, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, here at Salisbury. Yep. Here at Salisbury. And, uh, I was at a, the coaches con, the coaches' conference it was the sport specific training conference at the time and it's usually held in January I can't remember what I think it was in we were in uh, Louisville and um, the night before I had you know I was still knew the Toronto guys and they were there still baseball meetings were held at the same time so i had been out with them I saw some you know strength coaches that were out there as well and you know again I was young nervous didn't really talk to them that much and just kind of stayed to myself and, you know talk with the guys that I knew but didn't reach out and so the next morning, um, it was, oh, it was, we were done. We were head, heading home, and I was standing out front getting ready to, to catch a cab. And um, a guy comes up, and he says, hey, are you heading to the airport? And I said, yeah. He's like, do you mind if I ride with you? And I said, well, hell yeah. You know, it ended up being uh, Bob Alejo. He was the head strength and conditioning coach for the um, Oakland Athletics at the time. Yeah. And he was also, he has been at UCLA. And I mean, you know, a big figure. He was up presenting. I was watching the guy on stage, you know, a day or so ago presenting and like just a, a big, big time figure. And so I was like, yeah, let's go. You know, like <laughs> it's it on one me. of those things like, yeah. you know, let's rock and roll. And so we're in the cab and it was like, you know what, it's like one on one time with like the best strength coach in the world you know at the at the time he's still freaking fantastic you know even now i mean just from where he's at then to now it's like i mean it's it's cool and um so we're in there and we're we're in the cab and we're talking and then uh once we get to the airport we go through security together i think we're on the same we're on the same flight but we're on the same in the same airline and so we go through there and he's like, man, I got a little bit of time. Yeah. He's like, you know, do you want to grab something to eat? I'm like, well, sure. <laughs> you know, if I was going to miss my flight, maybe. Yeah. Screw it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point. Um, it's like, yeah. So, you know, we, we sat in the cab. It was like a 20 minute ride in the cab and then we ate lunch. Um, so, I mean, I probably had a guy for roughly an hour to just pick his brain and, and just talk. And I mean, it was awesome. And, um, so in two thousand and eighteen I was named the College Strength Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, over that time, like I don't know if he knew like even who I was or anything of the sort, but um in that time, like we I was able I went up and chatted with him um at that time. Like we were down in the exhibit hall, he was working for powerlift at that time, and so I, I went up and told him the story and uh it was pretty cool. He said, you know, we talked for a little bit. And then at the end, he said, you know what? He's like, you got to do this with somebody else now. Like, this now becomes the next, you know, this, yeah. this story be, 15 you years you from now. You'll be the for, for yeah, another this another becomes individual. The, for 15 years. So he's like, from where you're at now, he's like, you know. But it was just that that honor to be able to to see that 15 years later, you yeah. know, and sit and chat with him. There was maybe 12, 13 years later to be able to chat with him and tell him how much, like, that conversation... And then him, you know, he had up paying for the cab, pay for lunch. Like that little thing had such a massive impact on me. Mm-hmm. But and it was one of those things like prior to that, I don't think I would have even reached out to people. It's just like I, I wasn't like that type. That wasn't me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And uh, uh, it, it was an, an eye opener, a big change for me to be able say, you know what? Like it's not that hard. It really isn't. Like most people are willing to help and you know, do anything that you want, and you know, if you just reach out to them and contact them and so forth, and so I mean, it was very like influential. The, the biggest thing I wish I would have learned coming from that is how to better manage the relationship that was created in that moment. You know what I mean? Even though it's you know very distant relationship, you're not like best friends or anything of the sort. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, one thing I learned from from uh, Buzz Williams uh, when he was at um, uh, Virginia Tech. Is he had like a 120 and so what he would do is he had 120 people he call for a day or he'd contact for a day for 30 days and basically this was some very similar concept you know mm-hmm. and these were four people or it's 120 if you were in this this was somebody that either he wanted to keep the relationship going grow the relationship or create new relationships and in this 120, he'd contact, so it could have just been a text message, hey, how you doing, to, a, to an email, to a phone call, to a written letter, any, any type of them, and it would kind of check off that box for that person for that day. And so it wasn't until, I don't know, I mean, well after four, five, six years later that I saw this and said, you know what, the, the value of relationships isn't like in that moment. It's also then how do you then cultivate, like if, do I want a Bob Alejo to be influential in my life and my career, I need to figure out a better way to cultivate that relationship, not just in the moment, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and have the cup of coffee mm-hmm. and then leave it and never come back to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what ended up happening is that I had that, that cup of coffee with him, but I never cultivated it until 15 years later when I told him the story again. Yeah. But it was only in that moment that I had that opportunity because if, if I hadn't, you know, won that award or, you know, where our program was. I don't even know if he would have known who I was, but right. you know, maybe because I do a lot of stuff on social media and stuff. Like are I you, so are you like more that. intentional so about cultivating that it relationship? Is now. Now. Yeah. Yeah. You know that it's, so it's not just about the one it's about, you know, is this person or obviously if I want to talk to him, they have the ability to influence my life in some capacity somewhere down the road. Right. So it's, how do you now cultivate the relationship? And is
1: it as simple as texting, keeping in be, touch, yeah. social media? So like
0: even my GAs, my yeah. former GAs, my former staff, you know, it's, you know, sending them a message. It's like, Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Right. You know, it's just like that. What does that create? You know, well, that's what it
1: is for me. There's definitely a number of coaches that I will interact with at a conference, or mm-hmm. or even in these sitting down and talking with them in person. One of the things I I had to learn as a as as someone who's serving coaches and teams is sometimes the best coach you want to work with has a team that doesn't need what you're offering at that moment. Yeah. So I would have a coach. I have a number of them right now who have said, "This is awesome. I love what you do." But this team isn't ready for it yet. And early in my career, I would hard sell to make it happen. And I don't do that anymore. I had one group in particular that it just, the coach was right. It wasn't the right fit. It wasn't the right time. And so I've learned that. And in learning that, you say, well... I still want to learn and grow from this individual. I still want to be in front of them. I still want them to be aware that I exist and not in a sales kind of way. Cause number one, that doesn't connect. Number two, that's yeah. not what I want to do. Yeah. If that's what I want yeah. to do, I'd go sell, something, sell something. Yeah. Some, some widget. Yeah. And, and so it has been for me, i I watch sports. So I follow their seasons and I enjoy following their seasons mm-hmm. and I'll text them a message here and there or email or send them something relevant to them. And it's not, it's not super, in, it's intentional to make sure I do it, but not so intentional. It's just, it's it's creating an environment of people yeah. that I enjoy and can grow from and connect to. And it's amazing how that small investment is what keeps the relationship alive. And yeah. that's it. it. It's simply that. I love that it's one, the 120. I'm going to look up the 120. I yeah. think that's a fantastic way to look at it because it purely is. One of the big things after the TEDx talk, I think a lot of people initially assumed this was about networking and it's, it's, maybe that's an ancillary benefit, but it's really yeah. not. It, it's about connecting with people. Yeah. And so how you can make that connection more genuine to you and to them, the better. It becomes something you just do on a daily basis anyways. You don't have to remind yourself about it. Yeah. It just becomes the way you operate. And you're right, because you want that relationship with a Babaleo. And, yeah. and, and so why not find a way to continue to cultivate it?
0: Yep. Yeah. And I wish I would have learned that earlier. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, you know, how, how, what did I miss? <laughs> you know, those 10 years?
1: I think you turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> but absolutely. Where could I have been, right? That's right. It's a, it's I think a, it's a... Going think,
0: back to the start, it's like, what if I would have? Yeah, you I know, think it's, it's a great, I think
1: it's a great lesson for people to hear. Um, it's not just about the one connection, it's cultivating it. It's why you and I are sitting down here today, yeah. um, you know, because you've interacted with countless athletes in the last 16 years, the ones that, Continue to learn from you are the ones that simply reach out. You're an individual that reaches back out. You have an open door policy, whether it's text, phone. Uh, fit. You're super active on social media, which I appreciate because it makes it easy to connect with you and learn from you. Yeah. So uh, I can't thank you enough for just kind of living that. You do live it. Try, uh, yeah. You have been yeah. you've you've been the Babalejo that has reached awesome. out uh, <laughs> for other people, and uh, you're doing you're doing awesome work here. So thank yeah. you. for cool, what cool, you do. Cool. Um, this I, I've taken all your time. Uh, sure. is there anything you want to add before we kind of wrap it no, up
0: if, if anybody has any, any questions or anything uh, feel free to, to, to email me um reach out i'll be more than happy to, to talk yeah. uh, what's phone. your what's your best email uh, email is uh, m-a-n-e-i-n at salisbury.edu um you know and then we'll set up a conversation phone call whatever uh, from that point um any clinics conferences you can follow me on social media and feel free to call me i don't i don't mind or awesome. i don't mind sharing things with with awesome. anybody well thanks for doing this this awesome, was, man. I this was i was it. looking forward
1: to this for a, yeah. a long time so i'm, I'm glad I'm glad, we, glad, to glad to have you back here in
0: the uh, in the bury and uh it was, it was definitely awesome it's so cool to be back it. in here i
1: said as soon as i walked in it smells the same uh, I like i don't does. know if it's if it's the rubber if it's the cleaning <laughs> agent if it's just like there's certain sweat that'll never leave the I walls think it will. <laughs> uh, this place has been here for a while it's so a, it's uh, a mix of all of it so awesome. it's cool to be back here great man thank, awesome. thank you thanks matt thank you for listening to the 50 cups of coffee podcast if you haven't already, please go check out my TEDx talk by YouTubing the 50 Cups of Coffee Challenge. Please subscribe to the show wherever you are listening and please leave a rating and a review. We appreciate it more than you know. Go ahead and connect with me on social media at Bobby Audley. This show is a production of the Pano Training Group and the theme music is by Matisse Soy. To learn more about how we serve teams and organizations, please check us out at PanoTrainingGroup.com. I'm go <SILENCIO>